Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Welcome to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's news talk radio, TNT. That we live in a divided nation is no surprise. However, it's more divided than you might even realize. There are literally two Americas. There's the America for citizens, which are subjected to surveillance and and security and laws and prison. And then there's the America for illegals, where everything is free and they've got rights and there's no law enforced. Come on, man. It's getting to the point where people have noticed. And by people, I mean everyone. And the people that you'd least suspect are the most upset. I'm talking, of course, about people that have been voting Democrat their entire lives and indeed in their families for generations since the 1930s. You see, Black Americans traditionally voted Republican. In fact, the first Republican representatives and senators were African-Americans. And the first African-American Republicans and senators were, the first African-American representatives and senators were African-Americans. And it was that way until the 1930s when FDR held out the hand of free stuff. That's how the Democrat Party lured them in. My senator, Pat Moynihan, who was an avowed Democrat, and I disagreed with Pat on most issues, but I still voted for him because he was a man of integrity. He did what he'd say he'd do. And whether you agree with it or not, that's a rare quantity in Washington, D.C. And he had a fairness about him. He had a fundamental fairness about him. Now, he was wrong on illegal immigration. That was all a vote-getting Uh, scheme that we'll talk about in a minute, but he had the foresight to recognize that the Democrats' war on poverty was going to spell the destruction of the Black family, and he had the courage to say it out loud, and he was reviled by his fellow Democrats for it. Because remember, Democrats tolerate precisely zero deviation from the established narrative. Whatever the narrative of the day is, if you don't stick to your talking points, you're ostracized. And that happened to Pat. And he didn't care. He had the courage to say it. And then he finally got his apologies in the 80s when the statistics bore him out. Black and Hispanic Americans have been abused by the Democrat Party for decades, for most of my life. And they're finally waking up to realize that they were just pawns in a greater game, that the Al Sharptons and Jesse Jackson and Reverend this and Minister Farrakhan and all the other quote-unquote leaders in the black community were nothing of the sort. They were hucksters. They were con men. They were two-bit carny barkers. Feathering their own nest, Jesse Jackson with his green mail operation, Operation Push. And while they lived lavishly, the people they were supposed to be representing languished, fell behind. Black America has only done well twice in my lifetime. That was under Presidents Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. And the way that they're going after Trump 
has been a, a resounding wake-up call in the Black and Hispanic community. And the way Joe Biden has allowed the invasion of our country has really awakened people. But we live in two Americas. If you're an illegal alien, you get to fly for free. You don't have to pass through screening at security. All you have to do is show your illegal alien ID card. If you want, you can request that they not take your picture. Okay. Citizens have none of those rights. Citizens are strip searched and made to walk barefoot while their shoes go through an x-ray machine and a ridiculous level of quote unquote security that provides anything but security. And you don't think that there are lists of people that receive extra scrutiny. I can't tell you how many times I've received enhanced screening, including one time last September when they kept me going through every single thing in my bag and finally confiscating a one and a half inch pair of scissors and a one and a half inch knife in a little uh, thing that I had in my travel kit that I traveled with dozens of times before without incident. Oh, and when did they release me from security? As soon as the door closed to my airplane. And because of where I live, there wasn't another plane until the next morning, requiring another hotel stay and all the rest. Oh, I can tell you about enhanced screening. Illegals don't get any of that. Illegals down at Floyd Bennett Field in Queens had vehicles. Tow trucks showed up to, to tow these vehicles away. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of illegals came out of their tents saying, no, 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 that's my, that's my vehicle. That's my truck. One man even had a title to it. But again, we're supposed to believe that these are economic refugees that are just seeking a better life. Meanwhile, we had a convicted terrorist down at the border say, you don't know my name now, but you will soon. And see, that's the real danger. Joe Biden has intentionally not only permitted, but facilitated the invasion of our nation by terrorists and by Chinese nationals that are operating as sleeper cells. What are Chinese doing coming through our southern border? Come on. This isn't about seeking a better life. This is about electoral majority. This is about permanent Democrat rule. This is about totalitarianism and the safety of citizens be damned. Well, good for the state of Texas for standing up and saying no, and good for the 22 other states that are standing with Texas. We got a border war on our hands, but it's on the same side of the border as I said last night. It's going to be Texas and 22 other states versus the federal government. And my money? My money's on the Constitution, and the Constitution says Texas is the one that wins this fight. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. For all the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, then visit the What's On events calendar on the TNT website. Stay in touch on today's News Talk TNT. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to a recent study, when the state of New Jersey issued a plastic bag ban in the name of saving the planet, rather than seeing a decrease in plastic use and related pollution, the exact opposite happened. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. 
Thanks, Timothy. Love this story. An excellent lesson in uh, a lot of things. Uh, so the report is that a market research company found that after New Jersey banned single-use plastic bags, the amount of plastic used in the state for bags went up significantly, as did the amount of pollution created in production. That's right. Their solution not only was not a solution, it was quite the opposite. Uh, check this out. Only the retailer wound up benefiting from the increased sales of these alternative, stronger plastic bags that were offered instead. So silly. Uh, after New Jersey banned the single-use plastics, these are the ones, of course, often used in retail and grocery stores, total bag volumes declined by more than 60%. The 2022 ban pushed the state's number of the bags down to 894 million from around 1.5 billion. Wow, sounds good. Looks great. However, while the reduction in single-use bags was evident, it generated different problems, including the very same environmental issues that such bans are typically meant to mitigate. Wah, wah, wah. Not only did the ban cause an abrupt increase in theft of shopping baskets, uh-oh, but it also caused a nearly three-fold increase in plastic consumption. Yep. Market research group Fredonia conducted a study that analyzed the impact of the ban on retail practices, consumer behavior, and environmental aftermath. Turns out it wasn't about the environment after all. Uh, the study found that the alternative bags that have been used to replace the single-use bags consumed more plastic and created more emissions. Gee sure nobody saw that coming i'm sure they did uh six times more woven and non-woven polypropylene propylene plastic was consumed to produce reusable bags that were sold as quote-unquote environmentally friendly alternatives according to the study non-woven polypropylene bags are not widely recycled in the united states nor do they consist of any recycled materials Wow, what an environmentally friendly alternative indeed. While the environmental impact of the shift in materials was measured rather generically in terms of quote-unquote greenhouse gas emissions, the emissions increased by 500% when compared to that of plastic bag production in 2015. The alternative non-woven polypropylene bag material consumes over 15 times more plastic in production and generates five times more per, uh, emissions per bag at the same time the shift toward uh-oh delivery and pickup for groceries after covid 19 restrictions increased the production of the alternative bags uh, also the shift to these alternatives has seemingly only benefited the retailers the study claimed that grocery retailers in new jersey can profit up to two hundred thousand dollars per location off of the non-woven polypropylene bags or approximately 42 million dollars across the state uh-huh the research also noted that the alternative bags are reused only two to three times before being discarded wow falling short of the frequency of usage that would justify the switch from the traditional single-use plastics. Timothy, this reminds me of like how they said, hey, we're gonna lock down the world to solve the problem of a public health issue during coronavirus, and we just caused a whole bunch of more problems. Isn't this just the way they do it? What do you think?
Well, I would ordinarily say it's the law of unintended consequences, right? And these people just can't see beyond the end of their noses. But I, I suspect, Adam, it's a lot more nefarious than that, because let me tell you what happened here in New York State. We had paper bags for years, great paper bags, thick. If you held them up to a light, you couldn't see through them. We used them to cover our, our school books. Every year, you'd mom would give you a whole bunch of bags and you'd make book covers out of all the paper bags. And it was great. They lasted all year long. Now, all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 oh, no, we're killing trees. Forget about the fact that they're a renewable resource that are harvested, right? They're, we literally farm trees. All the paper we use is done responsibly by paper companies. And if you think that paper companies are irresponsible, go out west and look at where there's a, a forest that's partly owned by a paper company and partly owned by the federal government. The paper company forest is well managed. There's no undergrowth. There's a viable habitat for a variety of animals. And the federally owned forest, it's an absolute disaster. If it's green, it's good. So no forest management practices are allowed. No clearing of undergrowth, no, no uh, controlled burn fires to uh, help the pine trees that release their seeds. It's a mess. It's an absolute tangle of a mess. So no, but no, nope. Doesn't matter that they're responsibly harvested. We're killing the environment. So we've got to use what? We've got to use plastic bags, Adam, because plastic bags are a lot better for the environment, they said, than the paper bags. And so then a few years goes by and everybody's upset because you now have to have 17 little plastic bags instead of three or four regular grocery bags. And, it, you know, we go on and, and then all of a sudden the state decides, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, no, no. We were wrong. We were wrong. Plastic is bad. We're going to ban single use plastic bags and you can buy paper bags but it's going to cost you a nickel. You see how that works? We got something for free that was quality, and now we have to pay for it. Oh, and by the way, now that we're paying for it, these bags are three inches shorter. And if you hold them up to the light, you can see this, how the slurry of fibers was pressed. You can see how the paper was made because these bags are, in part, practically translucent. So it's just a nightmare. And again, you know, the state never will admit an error. And it just says, no, this is the, they change rules arbitrarily. We now have a new rule, for example, that LLCs have to report uh, their management to the federal government. And if they don't by February 1st, there are criminal penalties. And if you think we're not living in two Americas, consider the fact that Peter Navarro was just sentenced to four months in prison for violating a congressional subpoena to a bogus January 6th committee. And, and Hunter Biden still walks free despite his defiance of a congressional subpoena for a legitimate established committee. Oh, yeah. Rough times, uh, Timothy. Um, by the way, this story reminds me of another thing. It's sort of related, but remember the argument about the antibacterial uh, products everywhere, like the anti-back hand soaps and the sprays? Um, the issue was that, you know, you got a bunch of germaphobes that are afraid of germs, not knowing that they should just let their body naturally build up an immunity to these things. So we got all freaked out and we put this stuff all over ourselves and in the environment, and we created even more dangerous, deadlier bacteria that were 
learning how to fight that stuff. So yeah, the solutions offered by these classes are not solutions, Timothy. They're just causing more problems. And and somebody ends up profiting off the problems, Adam. Oh, and by the way, those reusable bags that they try to get people to use, the reusable plastic bags with the handles and even the string bags and the cloth bags. Yeah, guess what? There's a reason you wash your produce when you get get it home, right? You're supposed to wash off all the toxins and any anything that might be growing on the outside. Guess what people never wash? Those bags. They've done studies on those reusable bags. People would be appalled if they realized what they were putting their food into. And yet, they think they're saving the environment. This whole, and anything to do with the environment, Adam, it's guaranteed rock-solid lock that it's a scam. Thanks for another great story on today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I... COVID. I, I just I just did my eighth test oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody, and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Roger Stone is a seasoned political operative, speaker, pundit, and New York Times bestselling author, featured in the delightful Netflix documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. In the 45-year career in American politics, Roger has worked on over 700 campaigns for public office and is a veteran of 10 national presidential campaigns, helping three Republican presidents secure the Oval Office, Nixon, Reagan, and Trump. I'd like to welcome back to The Reckoning, Roger Stone. Great to be back with you. God bless you. God bless you, Roger. It's great to great to see you now that we're doing video. You're looking, you're looking well, tanned, rested, and, and ready to stir up some trouble out there. It's been a long day, but I'm delighted to be with you. Uh, we're in the political season, you know, and it's uh, I'm a political junkie. I can't stay away from it. I like to talk about it, read about it, think about it. Uh, it's really it's, we're seeing history unfolding before our very eyes. We certainly are. And we're cut from the same cloth in that regard. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, as much as the left proclaims to hate you and to hate President Trump, they couldn't live without you. Well, uh, I'm definitely a clickbait. There's no question about that. If some left-wing website wants to make money, all they have to do is make up a completely bogus, outrageous uh, attack on me and put it online. And uh, all these uh, lunatics and haters will click on it immediately. Uh, it's kind of a sure thing for the left. It really is. And 
One of the realizations that many people have come to recently, some of us have been awake to this for, for a while now, is the extent to which the federal government has lied and continues to lie to us. And perhaps the biggest lie that has ever been told surrounds the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. You've got a New York Times bestseller who really killed JFK, and you're having an event upcoming with our good friend Jackson Lawmeyer at Sheridan Church in Tulsa. And for folks that want to find out more, go to sheridan.church events. Roger, tell us a little bit about your book and what the evening in Tulsa is going to look like. Sure. My book is entitled The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. Uh, and in it, I use fingerprint evidence, eyewitness evidence, uh, and deep Texas politics to make the case that it was Lyndon Johnson who was at the helm of a plot that involved the Central Intelligence Agency, organized crime, uh, the Pentagon, the Secret Service, the FBI, big Texas oil, uh, and the banking interests, all of whom had their individual motives for the replacement of John F. Kennedy. Uh, and uh, I think I make a very compelling case. Uh, it's interesting because uh, many other analysts of the Kennedy assassination view the murder of JFK through one prism. So those who say, oh, the CIA did it, well, they're not wrong. But those who say right. organized crime, the mob did it, they're not wrong either. Others uh, who say, well, Big Texas Oil took him out because he wanted to uh, repeal the oil depletion allowance, they were definitely in on it. I kind of pull it all together, and I make a case uh, using circumstantial evidence, but a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, strong eyewitness, and I say fingerprint evidence, that Lyndon Johnson is the man who had the most to gain, cui bono, as they say. Who benefits? And on November 22nd, 1963, he was under the gun in two federal uh, corruption investigations. He was on the cusp of being dumped from the 64 ticket. Uh, Attorney General Robert Kennedy intended to send Johnson to prison, uh, and it is why he arranged uh, all these other institutions uh, to get together based on their own motives to kill uh, John Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, and the question really isn't who killed Kennedy. It's almost who didn't. Like who in who in Texas and Democrat circles didn't have a vested interest in JFK no longer being around. And they try to portray anybody that does connect all the dots is some kind of wacko because oh, you've got the mob, you've got the CIA, you've got the FBI, you've got George Bush standing there on the steps of the building, you've got LBJ. And the fact of the matter is that that's really what happened. Yeah, how coincidental that four American presidents just happened to be in Dallas that day. Obviously, John Kennedy is there. LBJ mm -hmm. is there. Richard Nixon just happens to be in town. And so does George H.W. Bush. Now, for some reason, for 30 years, George H.W. Bush insisted that he couldn't remember where he was the day John Kennedy got killed, which... Anyone old enough to remember Kennedy's murder, I certainly do, remembers exactly where they were when they heard that shocking news. So uh, it's really a question of looking at the motives. Central Intelligence Agency was furious with John F. Kennedy over what they believed was his mishandling of the Cuban Missile Crisis. 
uh, and the Bay of Pigs invasion. The mob had been double-crossed by Kennedy because they gave him a million dollars in 1960 and they broke arms for him in Illinois and Texas and West Virginia in that skin-tight election over Richard Nixon. Uh, the banks were furious because John Kennedy was insisting on a silver-backed dollar. Uh, they didn't. They wanted to move to paper. Uh, the uh, the uh, 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 the Texas oil folks, uh, for whom Lyndon Johnson was the chief water carrier, were upset, as I said earlier, about the repeal of the oil depletion allowance. So everybody has their own motive, but no one's motive is as acute as LBJ, because he knows that on November twenty-third, uh, Drew Pearson the most influential syndicated columnist of his day, has a column in the can in which he nails Johnson for taking a massive bribe for a defense contract for General Dynamics. It is the beginning of the end. When John Kennedy is murdered, that column is spiked and it never sees the light of day. That's a fascinating revelation. I, I don't know that a lot of people are aware of that story. What about Lee Harvey Oswald. Was he a patsy? Some people say he was getting a Coca-Cola at the time on the second floor at the time of the uh, assassination that people that were on the stairs never saw him. Whoever fired from the Texas School Book Depository sixth floor window fired one shot, I think, low on and into Kennedy's right shoulder, uh, but didn't fire the shot that hit him in the throat and, and didn't fire the kill shot, which came both of which came from the front. Yeah, I, I agree with that. First of all, I do think uh, Oswald is exactly what he says he is. What does he say? I'm a patsy. First of all, why would the Dallas police parade him out in public after he's been arrested? Unless, of course, it's to get him killed. What does he say? I'm a patsy. I didn't shoot anybody. And in fact, uh, a test for nitrate shows that there's no powder burns on his chest or his arms. Had he fired a leaky $29 uh, uh, Italian army carbine that day, he it would have shown uh, in the nitrate test, but he's clean. That's because he didn't shoot a gun that day. Uh, and in fact, uh, he is seen minutes after the uh, first shots hit Kennedy, sitting nonchalantly in the second floor cafeteria of the Texas School Book Depository Building. It is literally impossible for him to have shot three shots from the window on the sixth floor, hidden the gun, uh, and run down four flights of wooden staircase without being seen or heard. Uh, a, a woman, uh, I think her name is uh, Victoria Scott, I believe it was, was on the staircase between four, uh, between six and two. She reports neither seeing, but more importantly, hearing uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, the man who shot from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository is a man named uh, Malcolm Mac Wallace. He leaves his fingerprints on the cardboard boxes uh, that are uh, fashioned as a crow's nest from which the shooter shot. We know that they're his fingerprints because in 1951, he had been arrested for first degree murder where he killed a man who was trying to blackmail who else? Lyndon Baines Johnson, a man named John Douglas Kinzer. Uh, this is all in my book. Uh, and I, I think I make a pretty compelling case. Now, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, and I took this book to six different publishers before I found one who saw the commercial appeal. It immediately became a New York Times bestselling uh, 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 a book. But if you buy it, uh, buy the paperback edition because it has three additional chapters that I added after the hardcover. New information that I found that points the finger at LBJ. 
That's great advice. Now, if he if he didn't test positive for gunpowder residue, does that mean he didn't kill Officer J.D. Tippett either? Well, this is a simple one to, to uh, yes, there are multiple witnesses to the murder of Tippett, but uh, ultimately Chief uh, Inspector Arlen Specter of the Warren Commission chooses to take the account of an 89-year-old woman who admits uh, that she is uh, kind of rough on her eyesight. It's very simple. The spent shells on the ground where Tippett was killed were shot from an automatic. But Lee Harvey Oswald is apprehended in a movie theater and he has a revolver. A Lee revolver. Harvey Oswald didn't, didn't kill uh, Tippett either. Roger, that certainly is compelling evidence. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. I have some good news. Uh, TNT Radio For News. TNT, this is James O'Neill. Key financial backers are withdrawing their support from Nikki Haley's presidential campaign following her performances in the Iowa and New Hampshire primaries. Donald Trump's legal team, led by attorney Alina Haba, has requested a mistrial in the defamation lawsuit brought by E. Jean Carroll. German companies are increasingly reconsidering their presence in China, with a notable shift in their perception on the Chinese market. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Roger, you know, the Democrat Party and Democrats in general have been portrayed variously as either embodiments of of Satan or uh, globalist masters of the universe. But reality is, for all of their ill intent, they're really not that bright. And that includes Nikki Haley. I'm including her. You know, I I categorize people into two camps now. You've got Democrats and, and GOPE Republicans. And, and then you've got America first conservatives. And Nikki is, is certainly in lie allied with the Democrats. How ham-handed was it of her immediately after Iowa to declare a two-person race, even though she finished third, which just told everybody that the fix was in so that when Ron DeSantis ended up dropping out, it just raised more questions than it answered. Yeah, I mean, I think very clearly the way to look at American politics today is not Republicans and Democrats, but an outsider, Donald Trump, and the insiders, the uniparty. You can call them the deep state. You can call them the military-industrial complex, as Dwight Eisenhower tried to warn us. Uh, But it's the permanent establishment in Washington. They uh, infect uh, the intelligence agencies. They infect the Congress uh, they in, infect uh, the Pentagon. They infect the think tanks. They infect affect the defense contractors. Uh, and uh, they like war. War is extremely profitable. They're looking for a warmonger, and she fits the bill. Uh, I can't see any way that she can get nominated as the Republican candidate for president. She had to try to flood the New Hampshire Democratic primary with non-Republicans Uh, If you look at the Republicans in New Hampshire, they voted 70 percent for Donald Trump. It was the independents who under Florida, probably under New Hampshire state law, are allowed to vote in the Republican primary. And some Democrats who managed to switch their registration to independent just in time to be able to vote in that contest that made it even slightly competitive. And even then, throwing $34 million at it to the 18 million spent by Trump. Trump still beat her by double digits, even when the fix was in. And it's now, in my opinion, 
all downhill for her. She gets wiped out in Nevada. I don't even think she's competing. Trump will win both the preferential primary and the delegate caucuses. And then ironically, I think her Waterloo comes in the state where they know her best, South Carolina, where Governor Henry McMaster is a staunch Trump supporter, as is the lieutenant governor, as is the uh, Republican leaders of both houses of the legislature, uh, not to mention both U.S. senators and a majority of the Republican congressmen. So you have not only the America first MAGA party outsiders in South Carolina supporting uh, Donald Trump. You also have the right-leaning Republican establishment types who tend to be more conservative in South Carolina. Now, South Carolina, like New Hampshire, uh, it's actually broader. There is no party registration in South Carolina. Anybody can vote in any primary. But independents and some Democrats in South Carolina, unlike New Hampshire, lean right. So I think Donald Trump is looking for at a big, big victory over Nikki Haley in her home state just days from now. I agree with you. The question is, now that Reed Hoffman has pulled his money, is Nikki, because originally I was saying Nikki's either going to get out before uh, South Carolina, so she's not embarrassed in her home state, and run perhaps with Joe Manchin on a no-labels ticket, run a third-party uh, campaign, or is she going to, or if she stays in, she'll stay in to be a, a, a thorn in Trump's side all the way to the convention. Can she stay till the convention now without Reed Hoffman's money? Yeah, it's a, it really is a financial question. You'll remember that George H.W. Bush hung in the contest against Ronald Reagan long past the time that Reagan had more than enough delegates to be right. nominated. He was actually campaigning for vice president, a strategy which incidentally actually ended up working. The next book I'm working on, by the way, is on the attempted assassination uh, of Ronald Reagan. And I've reached some extraordinary conclusions based on new research that takes me right back to the Bush dynasty. But without getting sidetracked on that, uh, uh, she is uh, doing one of two things. She's hanging in the race to try to damage Trump as much as possible, hoping for an appointment to a Biden cabinet. Wouldn't be surprising. Their foreign policy and defense views are virtually identical. Uh, or she thinks that if she hangs in and harasses Trump, she may be able to force her way on the ticket. I honestly don't think there's any chance that that'll happen for two reasons. One is a matter of character. She looked Donald Trump directly in the eye and she said, you are among our greatest presidents. If you run again, I will not run. Uh, and she's broken her word. Now, if you don't have your word, what do you have? I'm not a fan of Ron DeSantis, who I think really owed his governorship to Donald Trump, but at least he never lied to his face. Uh, in this case, she lied to him. And then, of course, there are her views. She thinks we should be shipping billions more to Ukraine. I think the American people would rather see us house the 370,000 homeless veterans in this country uh, and to see us spend our money closing and protecting our own border rather than the Ukrainian border. I think you're absolutely correct. They criticized President Trump for wanting to spend $11 billion to build the wall, saying that we didn't have that much money. And then they go and they give many times that amount to Ukraine. And indeed, I saw a study today, the cost of the illegals that are here is over $450 billion a year. Yeah, you have cities, counties, states, 
uh, that are the, the, where the budgets uh, are are both totally busted. You have the mayors of Chicago and New York, the guys who love sanctuary cities when they were running for mayor, but are now saying this is not sustainable. We're about to go broke. Uh, and it's very clear based on this Supreme Court decision that the policy of this current administration is wide open borders. Right. Period. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's and we all know why. It's a, it's, it's just a big. They're looking for a permanent legislative and an executive uh, majority. They want permanent Democrat rule in this country, which is what Teddy Kennedy's strategy was from 1966 on. You're listening Absolutely. to the Reckoning on today's News Talk TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, we've got a big January thaw going on across Europe and the United States, and it will last into early February in a lot of places. And the reason this is happening is because the Madden Julian oscillation is moving through some phases that when the United States gets warm, Europe gets warm. But the jet stream is going to crash into the west coast of the United States. So everybody will be yelling and screaming about climate change and atmospheric rivers. But this is something that happens whenever the weather pattern is going to change. We've pointed this out in Europe. And guess what? It's going to start happening in Europe too. The first week of February is probably going to be very wet. And then it will turn cold again in Europe. Whenever it gets wet and stormy, it's not only a sign that it's wet and stormy, it's a sign something else is about to happen. In this particular case, we look for a frigid endgame to winter in the United States from about, oh, February 7th or 8th, right into mid-March, and Europe is going to turn cold too. So if it happens and you start hearing climate change, you could say, wait a minute, I heard that Neanderthal climate-denying guy in TNT's Tell me this before the fact, because what they do is they wait till after and then explain it to you. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm your retirement fear, but don't be scared. You're still in pre-tirement. Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Retirement savings options? <laughs> Potential tax breaks. Move. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. <laughs> Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Roger, I have to disagree with you in, in one small regard regarding New Hampshire. And I, I'm doing so to because it's illustrative of a larger problem that we have in the Republican Party. New Hampshire law does permit undeclared and same-day registrants to vote in the Republican Party. However, that state law also requires two things which have not happened. First, the Republican Party at its convention needs to pass a bylaw permitting it. And secondly, the state party chairman has to request of the Secretary of State to allow undeclared and same-day registrants to vote in the Republican primary, that the default position under the statute is that it's a closed primary. Well, the Democrats had Bill uh, Gardner in as Secretary of State from 1976 until 2022, and he just disregarded the law. He allowed you know people to vote willy-nilly, and there wasn't a GOP chairman with enough gumption to stand up and say no. Well, New Hampshire GOP has one now and Chris Ager. And there's also now a Republican Secretary of State, David Scanlon. And Ager and Scanlon met and Ager said, we do not grant 
permission to do this. Don't allow this to happen. And Scanlon, despite being a Republican, allowed it to happen because Scanlon is GOPE, uniparty, Republicrat, whatever you want to call him. And that right there shows the real problem with the Republican Party is you have people in the inside, the establishment, whatever you want to call them, that run this like it's their own little fiefdom, law be damned, and any outsiders, as you've correctly portrayed President Trump, aren't welcome. And we're going to do everything in our power to screw you. Well, it's very rare that I can talk politics and learn something I didn't know, but I didn't know any of that, uh, and I defer to you on it. I tell you this, I'm not a fan of Chris Sununu, probably because I knew his father. His father looked me in the eye when I was working for Senator Bob Dole, and he lied to me for 11 straight months. Actually, in Lebanese, when you translate it, the name Sununu means liar. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he, but, this guy's uh, uh, an odious... You know elitist, very pompous, uh, Republicrat. I mean, they, 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 the rhino thing writ large, uh, very arrogant, very annoying, yet he pulled out all the stops for Nikki Haley, and guess what? They couldn't stop Donald Trump. He still won a historic victory, getting the largest single number of votes that any candidate for president, Republican or Democrat, has ever gotten in the New Hampshire primary. That's right. He won by every metric. Re percentage of the people that cast votes, percentage of Republicans that cast votes, percentage of New Hampshire citizens. He he broke all the records. And, and by the way, the only reason I knew that about the state law was that Merrimack County GOP chairwoman, uh, Chris Testerman, actually sued the Secretary of State on Monday. And of course, the case was dismissed for lack of standing. Well, if a county GOP chairwoman doesn't have standing, Roger, I don't know who does. Well, as you know, our judicial branch of government that used to be fairly non-political and fairly balanced has now been completely politicized. Uh, that's one of the biggest problems uh, in the country today. And it's not just at the federal level. Obviously, as you see in Colorado, it's also at the state level. Right, right. And there must be too much iron in the granite water up there in the granite state because I was, I had a job interview in 1989 with judd Gregg's chief of staff i was looking to get brought on to one of the uh representative staffs my girlfriend worked for senator john hines in pennsylvania and i had a final interview with judge Gregg's chief of staff who looked me in the eye and lied to me and said the position had already been filled well i knew he was lying to me and he knew that i knew he was lying to me because a good friend of mine had an interview right after me and, and he ended up getting the job but these these new england republicans absolutely have no compunction about looking you dead in the eye and lying you know, in 1976, Hugh Gregg, who was a uh, governor, was Judd Gregg's father, uh, yeah. had actually been for Ronald Reagan. He was a big get because he was a moderate Republican. We were trying to show that Reagan had a broader appeal. But it was Hugh Gregg who insisted that Ronald Reagan leave the state two days before the primary so he could, quote unquote, focus on getting out the vote. Leaving the state at that crucial time allowed Gerald Ford to slip by uh, Ronald Reagan by a hair, uh, and almost derailed Reagan's uh, campaign. Now, Reagan would later bounce back in the Texas primary, first in North Carolina, then in Texas, then in Indiana, then finally winning California, taking it all the way to the convention, only losing the nomination very narrowly.
Uh, it's probably the most exciting time uh, in my life, other than the election of Donald Trump in 2016. And I remember that convention very well, because as soon as Ronald Reagan finished giving his address, because th that was one of the, the trade-offs, okay, you finished second, but we're going to let you speak at the convention. As soon as he finished his speech, everyone in the hall realized we just nominated the wrong man. Yeah, it was like you could see a collective, one of those cartoon balloons go off above everybody's head. They immediately knew that we had nominated a guy who, by the way, went on to lose. Even then, in, if Gerald Ford had spent his resources in Texas and Missouri instead of New York and Pennsylvania in the closing days of that campaign, had he moved right rather than left, he almost won. He almost beat Jimmy Carter. And this was only yeah. two years after Watergate. That's exactly right, and a great analysis. So where do you see things shaking out? I have one great fear right now, and that is that they are going to try to JFK DJT. I think it's their only card left to play, and I'm seriously concerned for our president's safety. Uh, this really sends a shiver up my spine. I must tell you, I pray about this every single day. I pray for his safety. Uh, I've written a book on this. I really believe, firstly, that JFK was removed as a, as a, the result of a government-launched uh, conspiracy. I believe Richard Nixon was taken out in a silent coup because he mm -hmm. threatened the power of the Central Intelligence Agency. They, the same forces tried to remove Ronald Reagan, not once, but twice. First, they tried to kill him. Uh, then they tried to leave him holding the bag on Iran-Contra, which I honestly believe he knew nothing about, was a Bush operation. Uh, and the, the same forces that were behind the Russian collusion hoax and the two bogus Ukrainian uh, impeachments. Uh, and uh, as Trump gets stronger and stronger, which is completely counterintuitive, every time they indict this guy in another fabricated case, Rather than collapse, he gets stronger. They become more and more apoplectic, more and more hysterical. And therefore, I think the range of options that they will look at become more radical. Uh, they're very open about the fact that they're going to try to strip the president of the United States of civilian control of the armed forces. That way, when we have BLM and, and uh, Antifa riots after a Trump election, he would have no ability to maintain order, which is, of course, the first responsibility of the president of the United States under the Constitution. But uh, look, I pray for his safety. I think there are literally no limits as to what the deep state will do to try to maintain power. You're absolutely correct. There, there's nothing to which they will not scruple. It's uh, also interesting because we've got a border war going on in Texas, except the fight is on the same side of the border. It's the state and now 22 other states versus the federal government. Where do you see this shaking out? Uh, it's the single most important issue in the country. You saw it in the entrance polls uh, in, uh, in Iowa. You saw it in the exit polls in New Hampshire. Uh, it's affecting every community. It's not just the cities, yeah. it's the cities uh, and the suburbs. Uh, we have let what will be 10 million, and that may be a low estimate, uh, illegals in the country without having any idea who they are or how dangerous they are. Uh, this has caused a crime epidemic, a fentanyl epidemic. This is the number one issue in the country. Uh, it is hurting Biden. It will continue to hurt Biden. I'm glad to see Governor Abbott. It took him a while, but he finally yeah. stood up. 
Uh, and uh, look, I'm not an attorney. There are some thorny constitutional issues here. But uh, based on everything I've read today, I think Texas has the right to protect itself and to seal the border. Uh, this is this issue is going to dominate the 2024 election. I agree with you. And it's going to be interesting. I think perhaps the biggest tactical error that they made in Texas was trying to impeach Attorney General Paxson, because now he, like Trump, is just on a mission, you know, call it vengeance, call it retribution, call it justice. I happen to think it's justice. They These men now are committed to correcting all the errors of the system and getting us back to a, a nation of laws, not of men. This is why I think Trump will be a much better president in his second term. I think he was a great president in his first yeah. term. He built the most robust economy in our history. He rebuilt our military strength. He appointed scores of conservative judges to the federal bench. Uh, our enemies were at bay because he was unpredictable. The, the Russians, the Chinese, the Ukrainians, no one knew exactly what he would do other than the fact that he would always put America and America's interests first. These people laugh at Joe Biden. They recognize him, uh, particularly after the fiasco in Afghanistan, as a weakling who can be pushed around. Uh, so let's face it, if the Chinese move uh, on Taiwan, Joe Biden will send them a sternly worded letter, and they know it. Right. I had some idiot on X say, oh, well, Donald Trump says he's going to end the Ukraine-Russia war. How could he do that? And it's like, I reminded him of how the Ayatollahs released our American hostages 10 minutes after Ronald Reagan took the oath of office. Reagan didn't have to raise a single finger. They knew what he was going to do, and they acted accordingly. And I think that, that Putin probably will as well. I think that's one of the key points here, which is when it comes to 2024, Trump is the peace candidate. Yeah. Nikki Haley is the war candidate. Trump can negotiate peace, I think, not only uh, in the Russia-Ukrainian uh, conflict, but perhaps, just perhaps, we'll stop funding both sides uh, as we are today uh, in the Middle East. It makes no sense whatsoever to unfreeze $100 billion for Iran and pretend that they're not using that money to finance Islamic terrorism by Hamas and Hezbollah because they are. At the same time, we have a historic commitment uh, to Israel. So we clearly are on both sides of that war. Trump had Iran under control. They were broke. They couldn't sell mm -hmm. their oil. They didn't have the money to fund terrorism. Joe Biden took his foot off their neck and you saw what the result is, this horrific attack on Israel on October 7th uh, and the carnage uh, on both sides since then. And the assertion that Trump isn't skilled at global affairs, at foreign policy, was belied by the fact that United Arab Emirates, a signatory to the Abraham Accords that President Trump initiated, lit a menorah all through Hanukkah this year which was a momentous event that you saw reported nowhere in mainstream media. Uh, if you can uh, navigate uh, the, the treachery and the difficulty of Manhattan real estate, believe no. me, it, it, world affairs is a piece of cake. I mean, Trump understood that uncertainty uh, what played to his advantage, that they didn't know what to expect from him. He was unpredictable, uh, and that, that gave him the leverage. He's been very candid about this. 
Uh, he told Xi, you move, you move on Taiwan, I move on you. And she said, you right. will not do that. And Trump said, don't try me. Uh, he had a very similar situation he talks about with Putin, where he says, look, if you move on Ukraine, I'm going to have to move on uh, Moscow. Uh, he actually said a little more colorfully than that. Uh, but uh, as Trump likes to say, Putin didn't know whether I was kidding or not, or whether there was a 10% chance that I might actually do it. And that kept the peace. Uh, that's what you want in a president. Nixon used this kind of what well, he called it the madman theory. He would have Kissinger go to North Korea, pardon me, North Vietnam and say, look, I'm a reasonable guy, but this guy, Nixon, he's a hardline anti-communist. And if we can't make a peace deal, who knows? He might go nuclear. Uh, it's yeah. why we ended the, the war in Vietnam. Yeah, the old good cop, bad cop routine. It's exactly correct. Uh, final thoughts. We've got a couple minutes left. Bobby Kennedy's candidacy wild is the wild card in this race. Do you see the vote splitting three ways? I don't think, I still think, we've talked about this before, I still don't think Joe Biden is going to be the nominee come November. Uh, but regardless of whoever the Democrats put forth, is there a possibility that the Democrats sneaks in because all of the butthurt never-Trumpers go and support Bobby Kennedy? Well, first of all, Robert Kennedy has to get on the ballot, and that's not nearly as easy as some people think it is, because the ballot access laws, uh, which are extremely complicated and arcane and expensive uh, and uh, difficult, are written by Republicans and Democrats working together to basically eliminate all the competition. Uh, I, I thought that Robert Kennedy's presence in the race when he was running as a Democrat would be a positive force because I really believe the same way they kneecapped Bernie Sanders, they would ultimately kneecap him, but his candidacy would create a pool of people in the Democratic Party who wanted to seal the border, who, who did not want to send more money to Ukraine, who supported health freedom, and that those votes might become available to Donald Trump down the road. Now, however, uh, a, a shrewd examination of the polling indicates that since Bobby Kennedy doesn't talk about his position supporting abortion on demand or his position as a radical climate change advocate uh, or his uh, position for reparations, and he's more identified with closing the border and opposition to war, he pulls disproportionately right now from Donald Trump. Could that change? It could change. But as of right now, uh, I don't believe, first of all, there are no DeSantis voters to go vote for him. That turned out to be one of the great dumpster fires of American right. politics. I mean, the guy was down to 5% of the vote in New Hampshire uh, after squeaking out a distant second place finish in Iowa. Now, this guy spent $300 million when you total it all up. Uh, and in the end, his campaign lacked a rationale. So it's not like there's a huge block of DeSantis voters anxious to go vote for Robert Kennedy. There may be a few, uh, you know, loud activist influencer types, but I don't think they reflect a, a larger group of voters. I agree with regard to DeSantis, but I was thinking about Nikki. 29% of her votes did come uh, from registered Republicans. We're going to have to leave it there, Roger. It's been a long day. Thanks so much for your time. It's always great to talk with you. Folks, follow Roger on X at Roger J. Stone Jr. And check out his website, stonezone.com. And go to sheridan.church forward slash events to learn more about the Q&A session, the presentation in Tulsa, where you can engage with Roger about his book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, laying it right at LBJ's feet. I'm Timothy Shea. 
Stay tuned on TNT for the Havorier Morris Show. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.